Welcome, everybody, to the Fine Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McDermott, and today we have Evelyn Ehrlich with us. Uh, I'm actually super excited about this episode because we're going to be talking all about uh, SRE and a report that they just put out. So just a little bit of background. Uh, Evelyn is an industry analyst, author, speaker, and business advisor focused on digital transformation. She's currently working for the uh, uh, several research projects in conjunction with the DevOps Institute and Research in Action. She helps companies understand and navigate digital transformation by analyzing today's most powerful tech trends, processes, and skill challenges. As an independent consultant, she often she offers market research, speaking, and advisory services. She's been around for a while, uh, kind of like me. Uh, worked at HP, Forrester, New Relic, and uh, brings a ton of experience. So, so welcome to the podcast, Evelyn. Hello, Sean. Um, so we're just going to jump right into this because uh, we got so much to talk about and we're not even going to be able to complete it all on this episode. So I'm, uh, I very much hope that you'll come back uh, in the not so distant future to talk more about SRE. But you guys just put out your first global SRE pulse report. So uh, I'm kind of interested uh, why now? I mean, as a DevOps Institute, why put out a global research on SRE? Yeah, that uh, is what we, we've heard from our customers and from our, from our community that there's a lot of challenges uh, relative to the broad adoption of DevOps. Um, organizations are trying to and individuals are trying to actually speed up the transformation, the digital transformation, but they couldn't really do it uh, with turning everything upside down and really going down the DevOps path, right? So um, as myself, I'm an IT ops person uh, by my, uh, in, in my past, which is uh, quite interesting because as SRE is kind of the next iteration of an IT operations person, um, I realized that there needs to be something we need to do to help our community and our members to make a step in between and do some research uh, in this site reliability uh, topic. Um, that's first reason. Second reason, um, as our vendor uh, community, there, we have a, a large amount of vendors who, of course, are interested in working and helping us and everybody else to spread the message on site reliability engineering. Um, they saw the same uh, challenges that the DevOps, again, the adoption of the tools or automation per se, um, was kind of a bit slowed down or took a little bit of a, a a divvy in uh, in during the pandemic uh, because everybody was doing you know getting work from home ready and doing all kinds of other things and um, site reliability became kind of the next natural extension and a little bit easier to take uh, and so that's we said all right let's do it nobody has done one um, there's a few out there uh, I've been part of in the past but they weren't really as broad and as deep uh, as we did yeah I think it's really timely uh, and. Uh, one of the things that, so we've been in IT ops for 25 years, right? And this is all we do. And my, uh, I, I have kind of a theory on this, so I'd be interested in what you think. And if you disagree, that's fine. Um, but we, you know, operations always lags behind engineering, right? People always like to build and throw stuff out there and build new apps and use new technologies and microservices. I mean, from the beginning of time, right? And then, the, the idea of managing it sometimes is an afterthought, right? Um, so it always kind of lags, right? So I think what we're seeing right now, which I find um, very interesting, because, and this is why I really want to talk to you about this report, 
uh, because we're, we're having conversations with our customers that as organizations are going deeper and deeper into cloud, right, and cloud first and moving um, much more emphasis on application, application teams, the idea that, you know, I, I feel like we've, we've, in the concept of DevOps, most organizations have kind of implemented like Devo. They haven't quite gotten to the PNES yet. And so we kind of got this situation now where app teams are getting more and more responsibility to, um, to manage the applications, and but they don't have the tools and technologies and the instrumentation. And you've got this operations team that's traditionally managed the NOC as their primary customer. The NOC is kind of dissipating. Those, those capabilities are moving into the apps teams. The NOC team doesn't necessarily know how to support the app teams, and the app teams aren't, don't necessarily know what to ask. So uh, we're kind of having this, a lot of interesting conversations with our customers of like, around SRE and, and how to really look at, you know, reliability as a new discipline, how to drive more automation into it and how to really kind of streamline it. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, as, a, as an IT operations, uh, I'm answering this as an IT operations uh, uh, person because I do believe IT ops folks have kind of stood in the dark, uh, in the background, and have kind of been looked down on. We used to call uh, the uh, developers the white color and uh, the IT operations the blue color workers. But as we are really now in this digital world, um, having applications reliable and services available uh, all the time to at least the level we have agreed on with the business is essential. So ops is getting finally their prime day and their prime time. I'm excited about that as a professional. Um, because again, if things are not working, who is get to be blamed, right? The business who is blaming IT ops is of course getting the blame, not somebody on the development side. And so what's essential is that site reliability gives us a change in mind and culture in terms of how we work together, right? DevOps in itself, of course, has started that, but DevOps in itself is more focused on the outcome, where site reliability is more focused on the processes and what's happening in these different stages, be it release engineering, be it incident management, be it uh, on-call duties, for example. And I think that's the exciting part. And it makes IT operations a really sexy job again, which is beautiful because finally uh, I can I can be somebody I want to be. And we found that out in the research. People are really fulfilled by this because they're taken as part of a value stream, which is making things different and making a difference to customers or clients or patients. And I think that's the most uh, beautiful thing about site reliability engineering. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about SRE and DevOps. Like, I'd love to get your opinion on SRE and DevOps versus DevOps. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's not a versus. Let's make sure we know and everybody listening in, this is not a SRE versus DevOps. SRE makes DevOps um, possible and brings out uh, additional capabilities relative to automation and a variety of different principles. And as I said, SRE is more about the improvements of the processes and how we work and how we collaborate between dev and ops, where DevOps is more about looking at the 
software development lifecycle and really taking out uh, improving velocity and quality. So it's more about the outcome. Um, and so it is an and. Now, you don't have to be a DevOps shop to do SRE. Um, that's the beautiful thing. So if you are doing whatever you're doing, no matter what applications you have, whichever those mission critical, non-mission critical, cloud, non-cloud, mainframe, doesn't matter. The SRE teams and the setting up of those teams is actually going to be possible without DevOps. Um, it, it really has nothing, uh, there's no requirement. It is as DevOps a principle, as DevOps is also a principle, there is not as much of like an ITIL uh, prescriptions and how I should do things. It's fairly free, but it has a set of principles which we should adhere to. So does DevOps. Um, so again, highlighting it's an and, not an or, or a versus. Excellent. I'm good. That's, that's what I think. And uh, But I've had lots of conversations with people who uh, and debates about that. Um, but that's a great explanation. All right, so we'll kind of move into the report. And uh, you talk about some key findings in the report, but let's kind of start off with some of the key challenges that you found in interviewing, I think, over 450 people uh, across a, very, a variety of size organizations. But I think about half of your organizations were large enterprise, over 10,000 employees. So. Uh, let's talk about some of the challenges that you're seeing right now, or they're reporting back in this survey, in this report. Yeah, there were quite um, a couple of things which were no surprises to me. Um, it is the lack of understanding in terms of site reliability engineering. That was one of the challenge. Um, and I think, you know, I don't want to make that excuse for folks who are out there, but there's a lot of work to be done during the day. And it's very, very hard to learn new concepts and to learn new things. So there's tons of research and tons of books and tons of this podcast and many, many other resources which help. But an IT ops person or a day-to-day -day work uh, book or be individual in an organization doesn't have a lot of time for uh, learning and upskilling. So that's probably why there is a lack of understanding of SRE. So that's one challenge we found. Um, another one is the uh, management not supporting it. Um, that one, I, I wish we would have dug into a bit deeper, but you know, in surveys, you can only ask so many questions before people bail out. Um, and lack of management support sometimes um, means that maybe there's not enough uh, in excitement and in enough pain to actually go about that. And again, we also have to think about what is the measurement of uh, the teams, the metrics, and the, and what are these folks incented? Is it about uh, features and function deployments and uh, you know innovating products, or is it about customer experience and employee experience? And I think that's shifting. Um, so not investing in site reliability engineering, um, I think, is humbug. That's not a real reason. It's a lazy excuse to to not really shift the mind into what needs to be done to shape this industry in of IT operations into something much more modern. So when you talk about, uh, there's a couple of things that you talked about with regards to challenges. One was value of SRE understood. Is that the lack of leadership understanding what SRE is all about in order to make the decision to invest and provide the support that they feel that, that the people feel like they're not getting? 
Does it really come down to educating leadership on the value of SRE? I think that's one, but I think it's also on the business side, because if you think about, um, you know, IT in many organizations is still a cost center. So if there is a standing up of a site reliability team, there might be some funds which need to be shifted and some things might be done differently. And so a business team, be it a marketing team on a sales com or a sales team on a campaign, uh, they may not get their resources of IT ops uh, as they have had in the past. And some things might not just be the way they thought they should be uh, or they should, you know, when, when we talk about service level uh, agreements. So it's both the leadership in IT and I think it's the leadership in the business. And then, Last, I think um, many of these things are bottoms up, right? They're a bit uh, driven by practitioners and individuals who are, uh, I don't want to call them heroes because I think a hero is, is the wrong concept in, in this space, but it's by individuals who really are interested in making a difference and changing operations to a much more modern way. And, um, and those folks um, don't necessarily know and understand what it is because they have their day, day job and they don't have the time or they don't have the project uh, responsibility to do so. And they may not be high enough uh, in the ladder or in the, in the org chart um, to actually make a, yeah, a change. I think you make a point in your report that SRE is a journey, and that yep. um, it does take it does take leadership because you know one of the challenges you talk about is lack of tools, which I find interesting because we've done our own studies and found that a lot of organizations believe they have tool sprawl, right? So. That's always a challenge to walk in and say, hey, I think we need to make some investment in new tools and technology and leadership just kind of saying, I spend so much on tools and technologies, just make what we have work. And they don't quite understand that uh, the environment's changed and the tooling has to change. Right. But again, that comes back to right. yeah. the value, the value understanding and even the cost ex being too expensive is this really kind of a lack of being able to develop a, a defensible ROI of why you would make this investment back to the customer experience and uh, cost efficiencies and rely and just overall reliability and the benefits of that. So I, I think, uh, I, you know, as I read through all your challenges, the thing that just kind of the two that really were major for me was the skills gaps right, of the people who need to implement this and support of management. And some of the other challenges were really kind of sub-challenges to that you need to overcome to get that ultimate support of management. Yeah, and the skill gap is huge. Um, we at the DevOps Institute are doing uh, Additional research, this is our fourth year for upskilling IT. Um, and again, there we dive into the different topics of um, leadership skills, human skills, uh, automation skills, uh, all these types of things, technical skills. And it's interesting um, that really in this site reliability engineering um, function, 
there is much more, I think, a lack in the human skills than the technical skills. Because again, it is a very tough job to be somewhere in between uh, or in this team to, to, to start solving problems under stress, um, to be looking and working with developers and testers, working with cloud engineers and automation engineers in a, in a very, very different way, in a very collaborative way without blame, for example, right? Without um, having uh, necessary capabilities to do certain things, but having maybe some delegation uh, to do and, and watch it watch error budgets, meaning I have a certain amount of money, fictitious money, which I can use to fix a problem. But if the problem uh, isn't fixed and the reliability is going below what we have promised to our customers, we'll have to go back to either an engineer and the development team and say, this feature is causing us a headache. And that's a very, very different uh, skill than in the past as an IT operations person looking at log files and events and checking, you know, checking my my incidents and, and routing problems to a, a tier three. And I think these human skills um, are going to be um, need, need, need to be addressed, need to be addressed by leadership and need to be because it's cultural, it's a change in how we work and how people work. And if leadership isn't there to make that happen, then it's going to be difficult because I can learn AWS, Azure, I can learn how to do CICD, I can learn how to write PHP. I mean, most people who are in this industry have the capability to learn that technical stuff. That's not really, we're not doing cancer research, right? But Changing how I act, how I collaborate, how I communicate, how I analyze, and how I actually put things together into a prioritized list of communicating that to somebody so there is a change made is a very different thing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, but I also think that there is a um, there it, there can be a pretty big gap between typical you know operations engineers and what we talk about when it comes to SRE, because one of the key things around SRE, and if you, if you read kind of Google's when they came up with this and what they were trying to do, it was really hiring software developers, right? To, to look at these outages and like you said, define the process and code to get more and more efficient in coding and I think that there are definitely are operations engineers who can code, um, but they, you know, they, they, a lot of them code in scripting scripts and things like that. And it's not necessarily, you know, reliable, repeatable code. And the other thing is you've got to look at, you know, cause my background at real ops back in the day, you know, we had customers that would have thousands of scripts written in the operations team but they're unmanageable, right? And we, the, nobody knew exactly what they were. Nobody knew exactly who wrote them. They weren't documented. They weren't managed. We didn't even know what systems they may be touching. So there's, there's a discipline now that has to come into this from an SRE perspective, software development discipline of how you write, document, and manage code that typical ops people I don't think have those skills and ultimately, you know, need to be kind of retrained in that, that respect. So, yeah, I think the skills gap is, is big and I think it's a, uh, it's a big gap. So, all right, let's kind of move on. Yeah. 
Let's Absolutely. move on to, so I wanted to, you got, you had a whole bunch of findings in this document, uh, and I highly suggest everyone listening to this go and download this document uh, on the devopsinstitute.com, right? Uh, download, mm-hmm. the, the, it's, it's, it's great reading, so please do it. So uh, highlight to me kind of the three key findings that you guys came out of this report. Yeah, so we do know that um, site reliability engineering really accelerates the digital experience and the transformation uh, in organizations because the products, the customers, the employees all improved uh, for those who actually applied it. That's number one. Um, Number two, we found that um, it created and allowed for much more um, service uh, healthy service teams or healthy um, side teams, depending on which uh, definition and which organizational uh, topology you use. Uh, so people, people in the teams are really bonding and are really healthy and are excited about what they do, which again, in turn, um, helps the customer and the experience of all of that. Um, and then it allowed as a third result, um, it allowed um, innovation to actually improve. So there is much more speed relative to what is developed. A lot more automation, as you were mentioning. Um, there's no more spaghetti code uh, in the the more mature ones, but there's really a, di- a discipline around how we do things, how we write automotive uh, scripts and how we manage events and how we look at problems, how we look at log files. What automation, intelligent automation, do we put in place um, with regards to looking and monitoring and managing um, the environment? And I think those are the big, the three big findings. Ultimately, we know it's going to be a, it is a function. It's an engineering function. Uh, It's not just a a principle, uh, something which will go by. My prediction is that by next year, hopefully we can do it again. I would of course, love to keep this year over year, um, that there's much more adoption than 62%, that there is more people who are actually, you know, piloting it and have deployed it. It will become, and it is here to stay, and hopefully uh, we'll see that uh, in the future. Yeah, I was kind of taken back by uh, some of the results around uh, the the um, the morale. I, I guess that's better lack of a better way, the morale. And you had, you had all kinds of questions around uh, how people felt in this role. And it, um, it really kind of came across as a very rewarding area, you know, for people mm-hmm. to, to work in and, and a lucrative area too. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So besides, besides really, absolutely. And again, as, as I've, a quick story. When I started out my career in IT with a master's uh, 4.0, flying high, starting at a very high-tech company, uh, walking down the aisle, and I'm thinking, oh, here, yeah, I'm such a hotshot. Um, some uh, gentleman stopped me and said, so you're my new programmer. I was like, programmer at that time, that was 1994, was not a good word. I was supposed to be some kind of a developer or some hotshot person, and I had to do JCL on the HP 3000 as an IT operations person with a, a buzzer on my nightstand to wake up and go for, uh, you know, into all of that. Y2K then came, and, and that that wasn't fun. I met a lot of great people, but 
now, today, site reliability engineering is a fun, fun, fun activity and job and, a, and has a lot of opportunities for growth to work in very dynamic environments. And as the report says, it makes a little more money than when you trust an IT ops person. Um, so that's, I think, absolutely Well, exciting. it can be a creative role, right? Because if you think back to, yeah. you know, like, you know, your, your history and my history of different companies and stuff like that, but very similar. I mean, we, we built operational centers, we built Knox and we would, you know, we'd be working at three o'clock in the morning with the night shift. And, uh, it was just monotonous, you know, and you know, the, yep. the path back then was, uh, I'll get a job, you know, working in a knock and I'll study for my, you know, M MS MCSE or my CCIE, and then after a couple of years, then I'll, I'll get out of there and, and do some design and engineering work, either server or network based. But now with this, I mean, you're not doing the monotonous things. I mean, your whole job now is really to look at, yep. look at trends, look at commonality and design and code automation to solve that problem and move on to the next one and doing it in an elegant, disciplined way. So it's it's very much a, a a creative process. So I'm actually not now, as I think about it, I'm not too terribly surprised by the results of some of those morale questions and how rewarding it can be. Yeah, and I've I've had actually had some site reliability engineers say, "So am I supposed to work myself out of a job?" I'm like, well. Uh, that's the pessimistic way of thinking. The optimistic way of thinking is you are going to actually improve a variety of things and allow yourself to do other things afterwards because there's always going to be, as long as we have innovation and technology, there's always going to be toil. There's toil somewhere. There's always some kind of a waste which is being developed and occurring. So you're going to be on the forefront of making sure that that waste and that toil is being managed in, in such a, in a particular way. And you have a lot of touch points. If your company is done with toil, hmm, I don't know if we can get there. Maybe. I'm not sure. As a crystal ball, I don't uh, have any visibility into. But no, you're not working yourself out of job. You're making yourself more important. The more you do, the more you reduce the toil, the more creative you can uh, be and the more you can be part and become part of that value stream, I think the more important you will I, I love that word, toil. I hadn't seen that before. I don't think I've ever seen the word toil in the IT industry. Like, um, hmm. and I saw that in your report and I'm like, oh, that is such a great word that describes kind of operations of the past. It's just a lot of repetitive yep. things over and over again and toil. So great word on that. Uh, so let's kind of wrap this thing up. I want to ask you one last question. And I, I, like I said, I really hope that you come back on, uh, in the near future because we have so much more to talk about. But uh, let's talk about, uh, I'm a metrics guy. I love metrics. I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I'm a math, I have a minor in math and a master's in engineering. So I love, I love metrics. Um, let's talk about service level agreements, service level objectives, and service level indicators. Because you, you did some research around that too. Very difficult topic. Metrics is one of those things which IT people, um, those who are in the practitioners don't necessarily like much because it, those are very difficult to to define and to 
also put uh, data into it. So, for example, a service level agreement, right, which is the first point, uh, the agreement between the team and uh, the customer, what am I going to do? Um, that means you have to talk to a customer and for site reliability engineers, that is uh, something they have to do. And if you just come in from a traditional role, usually the customer sits somewhere in another building or somewhere in another place and I don't interact. So that's the first challenge. And then I have to monitor those uh, SLAs and SLOs and SLIs, and then I have to report on those in a regular way. So those three uh, challenges are just a little bit of foreign uh, to those who are starting out. But when people are or when teams are uh, recognizing that agreements hands are handshakes and written down statements, um, then it becomes easier. So when there is an SLA, the SLO, the, side, the, the service level objective is the, the way to manage how much can I actually do before I violate um, my service level agreement. And I think that is, we saw that people are doing SLAs, people are doing SLOs, not as much SLIs. Um, and then there's some customers or some survey participants who said, we don't do anything with it. We, we, we have them, but we don't measure them. We don't use them. Um, for those who have said that, I would say, go back to the drawing board because you do have to have some kind of a contract because otherwise, why are you there? Um, that, and, and it's always been like this. Ever since I started out in IT, having metrics of leading and lagging or meeting, leading and lagging indicators is very difficult to design just because we just don't have that we don't have that skill. We're not finance people. We're not. Uh, we're just not in that in that mode of service uh, service metrics and application metrics. And I think my advice would be get some help, talk to your customers, put groups together, mostly diverse teams who are actually having an understanding what the business is all about, and 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 put down some words, think about it, and then and then formulate your SLAs and SLOs and SLIs. Whenever I think about SLAs, I think back to the late 90s, early 2000s, right? Kind of the dawn of the beginning of the internet, commercial internet. And one of my customers, UUNet Technologies, had this uh, fantastic marketing campaign said, the only three things you can rely on is death, taxes, and the internet. Um, and they had all these SLAs that they that they created around the internet, right? The inter uh, and they said we are the we are most reliable, and and if we don't meet our SLA, we'll we'll pay you. But what they did is that they basically set up the refund based on the number of minutes outage divided by the cost of the circuit. And let's say the cost of the circuit was $500 and they're out, you know, five, you know, say 15, 20 minutes over a month. It, it came out to like a dollar 85, you know, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, when it first came out, all the operations people were freaking out. And then, and then we kind of sat down and did the math and read the fine print. I'm like, this isn't going to cost anything, but it was, a, but that to my, my point to that is, is that, really making sure that these metrics are are impactful right and and yeah. mean something and not just kind of marketing fluff and i think you're right the the key to this is going back to your customer and really understanding what is what do they need and 
when do they need it? Because an outage is not necessarily, all outages are not equal, right? If you have an outage at one o'clock in the morning and there's no manufacturing shift going on, then that's not necessarily near as impactful as what happens at two o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of a shift, right? So exactly. um, that's mm-hmm. kind of the key, I think, is to get the, is start that conversation with the business units, which is always a good thing for IT anyway. So, you know, the closer you are to the business units and the, the more aligned with you understanding what they need from you, the better service you're going to provide overall. And then you can start breaking it down into SLOs and SLIs. So, well, yeah, I would, I would actually argue that, that your last point, I would actually argue that if we in IT, and I'm saying we because I'm part of that, um, would have had communications, uh, sensible con- communications early on, uh, we would have not been having such a bad reputation. Um, and I hear this all the time uh, from customers when I was speaking with them at Forster during inquiries. Why am I being viewed so, uh, so badly? It's like, well... Uh, maybe you had not had a conversation with what is expected and what your customers expect. And if you deliver besides that uh, at a cost which is outrageous or you are going over budget and you have unhappy customers, then maybe you should have that conversation. And I think that's that's the future. Conversing and collaborating as a product team together, delivering services. And that's the bigger picture, right? Where we need to go on the digital transformation and the journey. But I think that's for our next conversation. Well, I think I think you just said a word there that's really super important as a product team, right? So if you start looking at operations as a product and really truly say, okay, what is your product offering, right? What what are you offering out to these teams yep. as far as the ability to um, monitor and create, you know, instrument and things like that, and most companies like software companies who create products have product managers and their whole job is to work with customers to understand what do customers want and how to bring those requirements into a requirements, you know, methodology and a roadmap and communicate that back out to the customer. Say, Hey, we heard you and this is what we're going to do. We're going to be able to do this, but we won't be able to do it until second quarter because we've got these other things that need to be developed in order to ensure that we have the foundation to do what you want us to do. But we heard you. And this is, and I think IT in the past just did a very, very poor job of that. You know, IT in the past would, you know, create a whole new email system and throw it out and say, hey, here's a new email system. Everybody get on board uh, and not even provide very good training. You know, and everyone's like, oh, this is, a, this is awful. Uh, so. Well, Evelyn, this has been this has been fascinating and super fun, and I'm so glad you came on. And like I said, I hope you come on in the future because we got all kinds of stuff to talk about with SRE. So thank you very much for coming on board for this. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, I will see you soon. And uh, and if anybody wants to learn more about Evelyn or the DevOps Institute or the SRE uh, Global SRE Report, please go to uh, DevOpsInstitute.com. It's in the show notes. And, um, and, uh, that's great. So awesome. Thanks, Evelyn. Appreciate you coming on. 